was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the best. It was the best. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the best. You stupid monkey. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the best. Welcome to my... Oh, man. <clears throat> Gotta start again. <laughs> That's why I'm glad it's not live. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Blurst of Times. Jeffrey Gauthier with my guest today is T. Cole Newton, the owner and proprietor of uh, two great bars in New Orleans, uh, 12 Mile Lemon and The Domino. How are you? I'm doing okay, all things considered. Yeah, right, Thanks sure, for having me yeah. on. <laughs> so uh, how, how long have you been like owning bars and so you You've, you've been um, the only owner of 12 mile right that's like your yes yeah, i'm yeah. i'm the i'm the sole owner and proprietor of 12 mile limit we opened as 12 mile limit i bought an existing bar mm. um and rebranded as 12 mile limit the sort of the hermit crab style of opening a bar okay yeah, yeah. um that was in october 2010 so if the world is still here uh, at the in october of this year we will turn 10 years old. Nice. Um, the Domino has been open for less than a year. Yeah. Especially because it's been closed for about two months now. Sure, but yeah. <laughs> um, Domino opened for the first time in, in June 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both, I, I've only been to the Domino a couple times. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm at, well, not now, but <laughs> was at 12 Mile at least once a week uh, for the Bear mm -hmm. With Me open mic run by Laura Sanders and uh, Lauren Malera which is probably one of the best open mics in town, uh, due in part by the people who run it, but also, you know, just the environment and atmosphere of that bar. Like, it's just, you're, you are very supportive of, uh, of that open mic. And also I think, you know, local performers in general, uh, which, you know, kind of help make, helps make that like enjoyable and somewhere where, you know, performers want to actually go. Uh, which is always greatly appreciated. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say surprised, but it's been a really <laughs> consistent program for us over mm -hmm. the years. And a lot of things that we've done have sort of come and gone, and sure. they have their own sort of these programs, everything like the, the Hump Connection, our old dating game show that we used yeah. to do live. Or, uh, and a lot of things sort of have a natural lifespan. But, um, but the Bear With Me open mic has been really consistent for for years, despite all of the original hosts leaving right, and, and yeah. new hosts coming in it's still it's been a real steady like well attended but also the quality of the comedy like i've been to open mics in other places <laughs> yeah. i don't know why ours is consistently so much funnier you know it's it's interesting because like yeah it's different bars and different mics will attract different people and there's obviously crossover but like yeah there's i don't know there's just something your your bar for some reason the mic there uh will often bring a lot of like newcomers and i think because of that they kind of get shaped by the people who are like veterans over there i think maybe and so you know they don't have a, since they're getting started there they don't get i don't know corrupted from somewhere else or something <laughs> you know i've heard that our crowd is very honest yeah they are they but, are, but, yeah. They, they, we, we generally are more of a politically. We're on the progressive end of the spectrum right. as a as a business institution. Yeah. So there are people don't get a lot of laughs for sort of for sexist or, right. or racist comedy. Yeah, those um, edge lord. The weird type. stuff tends to do well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things I like about doing it over there is that because of that very specific thing about the audience, and that like you can just 
try something and you know see if it sticks and you're like all right cool maybe there's this has legs let me go you know flesh this out a little bit more especially since they do the topic over there every week where you know mm-hmm. the fishbowl topic so that gives you a little opportunity to kind of go outside the box a little bit and you know your comfort zone and all that um which i think kind of fits with the overall vibe of both of your establishments i think if uh if yeah we try to in. be we it incur- I think both of the both of the bars. One of the ideas that we want people to feel comfortable being themselves. There. Yeah, yeah, that you don't have to like put on a fancy outfit to go have a nice glass of wine or a cocktail. You can just enjoy a nice glass of wine or a cocktail or a cheap shitty beer if right. that's what you want, and be in the same space as the people who do want to dress up and have a fancy mm-hmm. cocktail. So it's like, try to be very uh, inclusive along a lot of different metrics. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, not just be a welcoming space to people from from different backgrounds or races or religions or political beliefs or whatever yeah. else uh, but also just like whatever you want us to be you want us to be a comedy club we'll be a comedy club you want us right. to be a dance party we'll be a dance party you want us to be a game show well sure yeah yes of course <laughs> why not yeah yeah i think that i don't know if if, if you described 12 mile limit uh, as this, or if I read this in a review years ago, but basically a, um, it's a dive bar, like a craft cocktail dive bar in a way, I guess is. Yeah. Cocktail dive, yeah. I think is the, the quickest elevator yeah, pitch for go. 12 yeah. mile. And then, and the domino is a wine dive Yeah, sort of in this similar philosophically. Yeah. I, I like that. Cause that is, you know, Mary Devin, my wife, a uh, big, fan of the cocktails over at 12 mile and uh you know like yeah it is like you know the building very clearly used to be a house at some point down the road i'm sure uh as most bars in new orleans tend to be especially the neighborhood bars uh and it's you know you know low ceilings you know almost has this like speakeasy underground feeling because of like the close uh space and the kind of you know the lighting and everything it just has that kind of vibe but like some of the best cocktails you'll get in town, which is like a nice little juxtaposition, I guess. Yeah, it can be two things. Yeah. <laughs> to quote the exactly, episode of The exactly, Simpsons that yeah. we're actually talking about today. <laughs> or one of them, at least. That's one of those lines that I never really like. There's just so many Simpsons lines that are just so like um, embedded yeah, in Ubiquitous culture. in popular culture. Yeah, yeah and you just 100%. forget that it's actually I had from an episode. Until this, until rewatching um, Flaming Moe's, I had I used the phrase, it can be two things, yes. and with very similar <laughs> intonation as Mayor Quimby, yeah. like an angry, knee-jerk yeah. reaction. Um, I used that all the time, and I'd completely forgotten that it was a Simpsons quote originally. Yeah, I had the same reaction rewatching last night. I was like, oh, wait, holy crap, that's right, it is. That's just like, I feel like every time I do this podcast, there's at least one line from one of the episodes where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I say that all the time, because I watched this a million <laughs> times at some point. Um, which, yeah, I guess we can get into the episode. Um, you being uh, owner and bartender, uh, I uh, you chose Flaming Moe's from season three, which is just an all-around wonderfully classic episode. It's a stellar episode. It's a great time capsule episode, yes. because it's got like Aerosmith in its right. heyday and all the Which Cheers I references. just found out on the Wikipedia that that was the first time a band ever appeared on The Simpsons was Aerosmith. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Was, was, when was the Michael Jackson episode? Was that in season two? That was two? season... Lisa, Lisa's birthday? I think that was season four. No, it might have been season three. 
Yeah, it was episode one. Okay, what, been whatever season it was, it was episode one. Because okay, but, once I mean, they pulled the episode, yeah, they pulled the episode from all the streaming services. Uh, services because of the once the Michael Jackson documentary came out. Uh, yeah, they just pulled it, <laughs> so you can't watch that episode anywhere anymore. That's okay. I've got the DVD. Yeah, I'm, me I'm too. Sad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting what that they it? pulled that because like. Not all of it is Michael Jackson. Like very little of it, I think, actually is. Him. Yeah, I yeah, I think. I mean, but still, it's it is. Yeah, at least part of it is him, and it right. is about him. Yeah, like it's very. It, he might not be in it much. It's like Yellow True. Submarine with the Beatles. They were only they, those weren't the Beatles' voices. Yeah. They were in like thirty seconds of that movie, mm-hmm. but it's a Beatles movie nonetheless. Right, and that's a Michael Jackson episode. Yeah, very way. much so. Yeah, not even like a character that's supposed to be, uh, you know, a Michael Jackson proxy. Like it's his name is in it so much yeah uh, it's, yeah it's the whole thing uh, yeah it's not like dread tatum which also right. i think I, I didn't was this the first was flaming moe's the first dread tatum appearance you know i don't know it's not in the wikipedia but it's very possible because i thought that because when i saw it and it made me really happy because like i like when they have these obvious celebrity based characters but they just mm-hmm you know it's they're their own characters are like caricatures of them with and they didn't get like mike tyson to do the voice of this character which i love Mm -hmm. when they do that versus like let's actually get whoever because then i don't know i feel like the joke doesn't carry over as well when they get the real celebrity to do it because it's like sometimes it works like the monorail episode with leonard nimoy yeah that that was so perfect perfect. yeah exactly but like when they're doing it to kind of mock yeah, and it gives them a lot of freedom that way. Like I remember with the like the softball episode, right? Yeah, they yeah. got Daryl Strawberry to play Daryl Strawberry, right, but right. he wouldn't do any of the lines that they gave him. <laughs> yeah. That's why he he like he, they little mock him, and he just has a single tear instead exactly. of saying anything because he wouldn't say the lines. <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> it's a great. It's episode. man, that's such a good one. Um, so <laughs> the uh, yeah, actually, I think talk about that on the second episode of this podcast i think that one got snagged up very quickly uh <laughs> believe um <laughs> uh, yeah so i mean flaming mo obviously i mean i don't even think we really need to go through the plot but basically homer invents a cocktail uh that involves uh the last dredges of each bottle of alcohol in his kitchen and uh and cough syrup uh and he makes it at mo's mo is losing out on uh you know customers and 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 business and so uh people like the drink and so he steals it and calls it the flaming mo and he you know becomes this big success and homer gets real you know kind of bummed about it because it was you know his idea and all that uh and it's just it really makes for some really I love I love Mo centric episodes. Firstly, Mo is probably my favorite character outside of like the core Simpson family. I think like he's just so. What weird. about Mo? What res- resonates with Mo? Is it just his his complete lack of charm? I think so. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not even like a. There's definitely not a personal connection there. Uh, <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> but like, I think I don't know. It's just something about. I think because he is very i feel like he's very different than the rest of the characters in a lot of ways like he's very just down on his luck all the time and like very self-aware about that whereas most of the characters like um i don't know like uh like ralph wiggum he doesn't know that he's a dumb dumb. Like he just goes through life with this blissful ignorance. Uh, whereas Mo, like he knows that his life sucks and he just kind of like, just rolls with it. You know, that's fair. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he, he does have a level of self-awareness that I, is pretty lacking. And, uh, and I remember re or no, this was, I think this is on a commentary track. Cause like I said, I have the DVDs probably right. from the first seven seasons. Yeah. Um, and something like that. Yeah. I had the, one of the animators was talking and one of the directors, I don't remember, doesn't remember, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but they were talking about Mo being one of the, the only character that they didn't tell the animators to work from a specific like sketch or model when they oh, were drawing wow. him. Cause they wanted his look to be kind of inconsistent and ugly mm -hmm. so yeah, they just it's basically like freehand every time they drew mo <laughs> <laughs> because they were like he's just like weird and yeah. creepy and that helps that, make him look weirder with I not that. keeping a consistent model for it that is really good i uh man yes indeed i one of the things yeah mo i don't know it's like and i think it's because they use mo um, like very well like with the exception of like these two episodes that we're going to talk about today uh there's not a whole lot of mo centric episodes and he he's one of those there's characters. a ton where like where mo's becomes some like it becomes a cocktail right, like a exactly. trendy lounge yeah or, or the like pub. applebee's actually, type place and yeah, yeah the, the family feedback. yeah family feedback <laughs> uh but like he you know they'll like use him for one-liners a lot of times like when like the whole town is together gathered as like a mob for whatever mm. reason you know like and you know mo's the one there to just like let's kill it or whatever you know <laughs> he's just that weird <laughs> it'll just be this very absurd borderline like what the hell line uh that they give to him and i just, just like those little punch-ups i think is one of the things mm -hmm. that makes me the, really like the running gag where he's smuggling exotic animals yeah. in the back <laughs> yeah like the x-files episode where he's carrying the you know the whole whale just like <laughs> 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 oh man there's um oh the one of the things in uh mo does to try to like drum up business before the cocktail uh, he buys the uh, the love tester machine <laughs> to, to where you you know you grab the handles or whatever. It tells you you know if you're a hunk or whatever. Uh, and there's something about that that just sticks. Out. The love tester is one of those things that always just stands out in my mind. Um, but you uh, tying it to you, it's you have a lot of games in both of your bars. I mean, the domino is based around uh, tabletop gaming and that, and you have yeah, a lot it's, available. It's, at you got to have something to, for people to do. Although the relationship is different. Like all of the games, the, the not all the games, we have a bunch of board games at the domino, so mm -hmm. people can borrow those for free. But we also have a jukebox and the, the Pac-Man game at the domino, and we've got the pool table and that touch screen where you got to yeah. try to find the differences between naked pictures right right um we don't own any of that equipment mm -hmm. that's all we have a relationship with a vendor and we get like 50 50 split so if you put a dollar into the pool table we get 50 cents they get 50 cents yeah. but they're in charge like we wouldn't buy a, a ten thousand dollar <laughs> arcade <laughs> machine right <laughs> i don't have the cash for that yeah no absolutely um so that that was one of those things is like that doesn't ring true, <laughs> but I do I love that the love tester came back because yeah. that was the when they did the spinoff spectacular it was the lovematic grandpa right and I'd yes. completely forgotten that that there was that wasn't a one off I, I I this was the I think it's probably the only time the love tester came up before that I probably so like five so, seasons yeah. later they came back and those little seeds that they planted. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a love tester. Those are my favorite things there. That's uh, when it's just like, not only just running gags, but like those little callbacks, like even seasons later, like that's which I think that's one of the things in newer episodes that kind of 
doesn't usually work well is they try to do these references to things like from like season four or five on like season 30 and i just think they're so far removed from it now like the writers are none of the same writers anymore basically uh like so i think it just kind of gets lost a little bit it it doesn't work quite as well but i, I sometimes i like it and sometimes i don't yeah, yeah. like sometimes it just feels like masturbatory yeah, like, but also, hey like, remember this writing this the people writing The Simpsons now are our age, so mm -hmm. they grew up watching The Simpsons. Absolutely, and if they're yeah. just doing this sort of like pop culture referencing yeah. that The Simpsons did in its heyday. It's like, well, it didn't have The Simpsons wasn't around 25 years ago when they were making episodes in 1991. Right. But if they're making an episode in 2020 and they're referencing this like pop culture touchstone, it might well be itself. Right. That's so true. It's, yeah. It, <laughs> it feels kind of authentic to me, even though it. I mean, the jokes that's don't a, land as well as they used good, to, but yeah. it's just not as good a show as it used right. to be. Not consistently. They're still very good episodes from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And I'm still watching. There's like five good episodes every, like really good episodes I, every season out of the 20 or so. Yeah. And it's still worth it to me to dig through the crap. To I get agree. To those. I, I will li I, I've been watching each, uh, each of the new seasons. Uh, like I'm watching season 31 and it's, um, I would say like 29 and 30 and some of 31 have been like, surprisingly better than previous modern seasons um i don't know why they just <laughs> have like like i wouldn't say they're great seasons from beginning to end but i would say as opposed to there being like two or three good episodes there's maybe like eight or nine good episodes which is pretty yeah, good. yeah I, I agree that it's been of this one especially i think it's been a pretty consistently yeah. good season which mm -hmm. is a refreshing change right right <laughs> I know it's like a I good... think there was a there was a comeback in like around season 20 I think Cause it, like this the arc of the Simpsons is so long now that there's this ebb and flow to it <laughs> yeah they're around season right after the movie came out I mm -hmm. think the like, first couple of seasons after that were really good I was like oh they they drew all of their best talent over to make the movie yeah and the show itself became kind of dire for a while but then once the movie like once they freed up all of their best people who had all you know were working on this one big project for so long and yeah. they brought back their core talent it was like oh the show got really good again right. for a little while and then it just kind of lost kinda, its yeah. but now it's doing all right yeah i i feel like it's going to go until they lose a principal cast member yeah so like yeah dan castellanetta dies right exactly yeah because like there was um was it uh not hank's area it was um harry shearer was going to leave the show like a few years ago. Yeah, like he, five, six he years almost ago. Left. Yeah, and then they threw a bunch of money at him. He's like, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> which because that was the first time they started talking about recasting. Yeah, because he does so many voices. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't. Can you have the Simpsons without a Burns and Smithers dynamic? Exactly. I mean, that's such a. They're not exactly principal cast members, but, but I mean, like at least two or three episodes a season are easily, pretty heavily yeah. feature one of them. And like, I don't know. It's because uh, the cast members that have like died uh in the past they've been small relatively small characters you know uh mrs krabappel lunch lady doris you know not like huge Bill hartman characters. was a big loss but that was Bill pretty Hartman, early yeah. on too right um but like there hasn't been like i mean no one who does any of the you know the simpsons family uh has died and if that happens like I mean, changing, I don't know, It would. those voices are just so iconic. And I know they've changed and evolved over the years in the way that they sound, but if they got somebody different to play those characters, I don't, I don't know if it would have the same 
they, vibe. I, I agree. I don't think you can recast yeah. the core, the family at least. Yeah, no. Can, I mean, there are enough people who could probably do a decent Smithers. It would be different, sure. but honestly, like Bugs Bunny isn't Tex, Tex Avery. I don't know. Right, it's yeah. like they recast Bugs Bunny and it works. Right. You know? uh, Kermit the Frog, same thing. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's like, yeah, that sounds like Kermit to me, you know. But, but it, it does, when I hear it, then one of the things that's hard about the new episodes, though, is that everyone sounds old and mm-hmm. tired. Like, yeah. like Marge <laughs> sounds even more hoarse than she ever did. Lisa's starting to sound yeah. like an old lady. Which is so it's, funny since the characters don't age, but their voices do. That's it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Visibly the same, but just their voices. Um, so the heart of the episode uh, is the cocktail. And I love that because it's one of those things that, like, as a, as a kid growing up, uh, Growing up into hey, I, I I lost a connection for just a oh, second. Okay. You might have to go back a little bit. I mean, yeah, and let me make sure. All right, good, still recording. Um, so yeah, so like one of the big like you know the main thing of the episode is the cocktail, and like as a kid, I always loved it because like oh, it caught on fire, you know, like it's. <laughs> do you like what? Do you have uh like a flaming mo? Not like you know some with cough syrup and that you light on fire but a a like signature cocktail that like you you know that is the cole newton the flaming coal <laughs> <laughs> i think the closest thing we have to a signature cocktail at 12 mile is the bowden which yes, is yeah. it's bourbon honey lemon tabasco real simple and easy um it's spicy but yeah. <laughs> you don't light it on fire yeah uh, but it's that is the I think probably I attribute a lot of the success of Twelve Mile Limit to that specific drink. It's it's delicious, it's accessible, uh, accessible. It's it's unique to yeah. us, um, but also it's not like there are a lot of crazy like you can make it at home just as easily. But yeah. you know, that we want to do probably. <laughs> right. um, it's it's relatively um, it's it doesn't have any particularly expensive ingredients. We actually use pretty expensive honey. The honey by volume that we uh, by volume the honey that we use is more expensive than the bourbon that we use. <laughs> um, like that. But that's our that's our our million dollar cocktail. Like that's the reason. Yeah. Like, and I think it's I, I believe that's your 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 lovely wife Mary Evans favorite as well. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna say I was out of all the cocktails on your menu, that is the only one I can think of off the top of my head, mostly because of that. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to order it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had others um, that have that have been very successful over the years, but that's the one. Like that's yeah. the one that like that I can hang my hat on and be like that is my contribution to a cocktail yeah. canon. Plus, named after the street that runs along the side of the bar, so it's a very you yeah, know, it's, really it's, entering it's into the neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think, although that's... the pro- the problem with the name. I didn't anticipate at the time is that everyone pronounces the name of the street differently. <laughs> yeah. So there's like Bowden, 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 yeah. Baudin, if you want to be all French about it, are all like acceptable and used I, by people in the neighborhood. I'm glad you said it first because I was like, I always feel like, because like I've always called the street Bowden and, uh, and then, but Mary Devon will say Bowden. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong or maybe you're not. So I'm like, <laughs> just what she orders, get that. Cause I don't want to, I'm like so <laughs> self-conscious of like saying things the wrong way, especially like cocktails. Cause I'm not a big cocktail guy. I'm a, I'm a beer guy. And so like, I, I never know how to order cocktails properly. And so I'm just like, at least when they have a name, it's a little bit easier. But like, if I don't know the right way, the preferred way to pronounce it. I mean, the good thing is that, your bars aren't pretentious, so I don't have. It's not like you know walking into. <laughs> I won't name names, but uh, another bar uh, that is uh, prides itself in its craft cocktails, and you just, you know, you feel like I don't know 
if this is even the right place for me, you know, like, and I, getting back to what you were saying about what you are, you know, cultivating at your bars, I think that's, you know, you're making craft cocktails accessible to people that, you know, don't want to have to, uh, to feel snooty about it. Yeah, I think, and we were, I mean, 10 years ago, that was pretty novel. And I think that was yeah. part of the reason for our early success is that there weren't places that were, you couldn't get a craft cocktail unless you were in a fine dining restaurant or a bar mm-hmm. that had a dress code. Yeah. Um, but the, that cult of exclusivity is sort of, is, is dying out. And now you can go to a place like Avenue Pub. And the Avenue right. Pub's changed a lot over the years, but they have a, like, they've got a cocktail program. You go to yeah. Pals and they've got, these mixed drinks that are very right. thoughtful and considered. And they're like, <laughs> these are not cocktail lounges. These are just bars. Yeah. And the, but the expectation that you can now, like we were on the vanguard of that, mm-hmm. but now it's become like the, the democratization of craft cocktails. Yeah. Like, it's, it's good because otherwise like it was this sort of elitist proposition for so long, but there's mm-hmm. no reason that it has to be. Right. It's not hard. <laughs> like, there's no, there's yeah. nothing about having, you know, a, it doesn't improve the drink to have a fancy environment. I agree. And honestly, I mean, for my taste, uh, it makes it worse. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like on a, you know, we're, you know, having a date night and we want to, you know, do it up and, and have a fancy night, you know, totally get it. But like, for me, I'd rather a bar where I can just like, you know, stroll in in a t-shirt and, you know, just hang out, uh, probably know the bartenders by name uh, and just, you know, just, be there and you know hey if i want to get a you know a fancy craft beer on draft or if i want to get a high life in a can you know no one's going to look at me for either one you know it's just like okay yeah that's what you're ordering that's what you're drinking and that i like i appreciate that because you it's a neighborhood bar and i prefer that environment of a neighborhood bar than like you know oh let's go downtown to this fancy you know hotel bar or whatever or who knows but uh i don't know the neighborhood bar environment like like you said like uh, avenue pub like they do a great job of that like it's you know it's a neighborhood bar it's been a neighborhood bar for like a hundred years and uh you know then they started becoming the craft uh beer place and like top 100 in the country uh consistently and now expanding into cocktails and stuff like that it's just but it's still just a neighborhood bar you can walk into and just like sit down and have a drink like your bars yeah i i not that to Avenue pubs horn too much, but they're probably, if they're one of the only bars in new Orleans, that I think it's like, that's cool. You know, like, yeah, not, yeah. Not that, that, I don't mean that like, there are other bars that I like, but our bars that I'm like, man, I wish I had done that. I yeah. think like, yeah. they, and they, they sort of had the same thing. Polly inherited the Avenue pub yeah. from her father mm-hmm. and just sort of slowly changed it into yeah, a just craft added, beer like, and whiskey bar. One or two bar. beers outside. Cause I think it was like just Budweiser was like the only beer, you know, Budweiser. When I, yeah, Dixie, when I moved maybe. to new Orleans, it was like, 15 years ago now yeah. it was one of those like Igor's or Lucky's or mm-hmm. all those shitty bars on St. Charles that were open 24 hours and had the same sort of Cisco burgers in the kitchen right made right. all their money off of video poker like half of them have laundromats in the back like that <laughs> it was one yeah. of those and those yeah. bars are great I love those bars too sure but to be able to take something like that and then slowly craft it into this personal vision of what she wanted a bar to be it's mm-hmm. almost like the but without losing like you said that that neighborhood bar yeah. that historic comfortable easy feel that's a it's a such a as someone who has attempted to do that myself <laughs> it's such a fine balancing act yeah and hats off to, to poly over i know absolutely it's, i think it's the best bar in the city yeah hands down including yeah. mine 
<laughs> I haven't been in a while. It's that used to be that was like my go to bar was Avenue Pub, and like I I don't live anywhere near the large, lower Garden District, but uh, I would just spend most of my time there, mostly because it was. You know, years ago, it was the only bar in the city where you could get craft beer because, like, I mean, outside of, like, Abita, you know, because back mm. then, those Abita was the only brewery in the state, at, you know, in the early days. So, like, in the early days of me drinking, at least. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, there was nowhere to go get, like, uh, you know, uh, like a Rogue or Stone beer anywhere uh, except for maybe the grocery store or something like that, you could get a six pack of, you know, dead guy or something. But like, there was a long time when the only reason we got a lot of craft beers in the city at all was because of two places. Mm-hmm. One was Avenue Pub. The other was Stein's. Stein's yeah. Because Dan Stein is a huge, but you can't go to Stein's at two o'clock in the morning and drink no. a beer after you <laughs> shift to the restaurant. Yeah. So like that, but they were Dan Stein and Polly Watts at Avenue Pub were, or why there is a craft beer scene. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Completely agree with that. Um, see, there was oh, is that this line that I, ha- I wrote down this uh, quote from the episode, and it kind of fits uh, right in with uh, with kind of what we're talking about um, when uh, after like the flaming mo kind of takes off, and there's a lot of people there. Uh, somebody takes a sip. One of the customers takes a sip of the drink. And they're like. I hate this place, but I love this drink. And I very, (laughs) I really love that because there's been so many bars I've gone to where that's how I feel. I'm just like, this place sucks, but this is delicious. So you know what? I'm fine here. (laughs) That's that's a good one. Yeah. The the one that, there there were a few lines that stuck with me after the rewatch. And one was, uh, was the, the, the drink may not have been my idea, but it was my idea to charge six ninety five for it. <laughs> yeah. like, that is, man, I know this is 30 years ago now. Right. But that just feels like, oh, how quaint. I know. <laughs> like that's your million dollar cocktail and it's under $10. Right. Find any bar other than 12 Miler Domino where you can get craft cocktails yeah. consistently for under 10 bucks, especially something with the entire back bar in it. Right. That's actually, I was going to bring it up earlier. Uh, like, that is one of the things too about your bars is that like you are doing these, you know, uh, in some cases intricate, uh, but other times simple, intricate in flavor, uh, <laughs> cocktails. Mm. Um, but they're all like extremely affordable, like not much more than, you know, some of the fancy craft beers that I, I would buy. Uh, you know, they're in that like six to $8 range, which is like completely reasonable for a cocktail. Like it's <laughs> insanely reasonable. Like- like I said, the individual component pieces are not expensive. You know, right. the people you're paying when you when you go out to a fancy cocktail bar, you're paying for the ambiance. Right, right. You're paying for that that cultivated feeling as much as you're paying for the drink itself. Yeah. So like, I've, I'm if I make a whiskey sour or you know just any like a whiskey and coke, the input costs are not that different than if I make the Bowden, which is a whiskey based right. cocktail. There's not so that you much might as more well. in it. Yeah, so I, but I'm still charging, like if I charge five for a well drink and seven for the Bowden, I still make way more money on the Bowden. Yeah. There's no reason I need to charge 10 bucks for it. Right. I, pr- I might be able to now. I don't think I could. Oh, also, when I opened the bar, it was it was even more run down and then the neighborhood around it was it was not a place where everyone felt comfortable. I'll right, that right. Um, it's become more more gentrified over time and the bar has played a role in that. And I feel uh, a lot of mixed feelings about that. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I was like, I couldn't open and charge $15 for a cocktail in that part of mid city in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, yeah. people would have laughed me off the corner. So I, I had to kind of meet Orleans, people where they are. As a, uh, you know, generally speaking, you know, outside of like on Bourbon Street, you know, uh, specifically, drinks are pretty cheap you know, citywide here, uh, like in comparison to like, you know, Chicago, New York, LA, you know, or really even a lot of other cities. Like there's a, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of comedians come in town from, you know, around the country and they're like, I can get a, you know, PBR for two fifty at this bar. That's insane. Like that would, you know, be like four or $5, you know, you know, for a PBR, but then like, you know, a cocktail for five or $6, their minds are just completely blown. They're like, I don't know how, like why are they you know four times as much back home you know i mean because the rent's four times yeah as well much that's true yeah like, that makes sense i could never have afforded to buy a building in yeah. new york city and put <laughs> a bar in good it. point good point <laughs> yeah i think the, somebody they was describing the west bank once so somebody was like why would you want to live on the west bank they, well the, the costs of living are lower and the odds right. of living are higher yeah um but the, that's the sort of like New Orleans versus like the cost of living is lower and the odds of living are lower too, but it's yeah. a trade-off. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, I grew up in Metairie uh, and, you know, it's, you know, I, I always used to say I, I sleep in Metairie, but live in New Orleans because I spent all of my time, uh, you know, bars and restaurants in New Orleans. I went to school in New Orleans. My dad owns a business in New Orleans. So I was always in Orleans Parish. Um but there is something about and like, you know, when I was looking to buy a house, I was like, well, I could, you know, maybe buy a house in Metairie. Uh, for those who don't know, Metairie is a suburb uh, right next to New Orleans. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, I could buy a house out here. It'll be cheaper. Property taxes are cheaper out there and this and that. Um, and I could still go to all the bars and restaurants I you know want to go to. But there's just something about like actually living in the city proper that just I don't know it feels different. <laughs> it's I don't know. There's also a it level does. of superiority too, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Washington D.C. and it's demographically was all very very similar to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in one of the rich white parts of town, but I was like two blocks from the Maryland line, and I took a lot of pride in being from D.C. itself, right, not right. from. Silver Spring or Bethesda or Alexandria or Fairfax or whatever. Yeah. Not that those are like, I have plenty of friends that are from any of those places, but like, oh no, I was from D. Like, it was literally, I could probably throw a baseball into Maryland from my house. <laughs> but, right. Or yeah. not, no, I was, I was terrible at baseball, but you know, at, <laughs> if, like three throws tops. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, a lot of pride in like, no, no, I'm from the city. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is definitely something with that. I, I, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, it's got that, I don't know, the notoriety, you know, uh, positive or negative, depending on <laughs> what you're specifically <laughs> talking about. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's, I'd rather pay, you know, higher property taxes. And I mean, and that, the funny thing is, is that where I live in the city in Gentilly is, it's very much it feels like the suburbs because it is purely residential i can't walk to any business i mean i could but it would be quite a walk it's not like mid-city where you could you know go to a bar or restaurant or the grocery store by walking two blocks um or less uh but where i'm at nothing except for the park which is great but uh so it's you know arguably not much different than me living in metairie but i'm like but i got a 701 zip code so you know (laughs) i'm actually in new orleans parish Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
um let's see what i uh oh yeah this and this is a question i want to ask you uh we mentioned aerosmith being in the bar um who is the most famous person that's ever come into any of your bars I probably, and I, I, most of my celebrity visits at 12 Mile I, are attributable to, to Bear With Me, to the open mic show. Right, yeah, that's we got, true. Yeah. I, I, I go up and do a set every once in a while mm -hmm. um, and got to follow Hannibal Burris on stage, <laughs> which was surreal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's done, when, when he comes to town, I don't, I, I don't know how we got on his radar, but he's, he's done sets at our open mic probably three times now mm -hmm. um and uh he was for a while i think our reigning celebrity champion yeah. <laughs> but i think he got usurped at a at a bear with me because tiffany haddish did a set oh right a couple yeah. of years back yeah uh and then tiffany haddish graffitied our bathroom wall um <laughs> is it still there it's it's no we've, we've painted over everything yeah. just to, uh, during the break we're just looking for projects to uh, do yeah, so we painted yeah. the bathrooms but yeah tiffany haddish autographed our bathroom wall She's since I've owned the bar, those are probably the top two most famous people that we've had. Although I found out a few years ago, I was doing some research for an article I was writing and I was looking into the bar's history and years and years ago, some like ancient dude lived in the neighborhood, came in and was like, oh man, this bar, you know, you, used to be ball players hung out here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right. When was that? Pelican Stadium um, was right over there on Tulane yeah, Avenue. Yeah. Pelican Park. If you, if you're driving on Carrollton, and to, uh, the, the Burger the King at Carrollton and Tulane yeah. is effective was like the infield. Yeah. Um, and then the self store it was so that was where but and then so I found out I did I did a little homework and Pelicans Park was the spring training home for the New York Yankees in the twenties. Oh whoa. When right after they got Babe Ruth out of Boston. So <laughs> Babe Ruth was a notorious alcoholic. Yeah. So and odds we are. could we might have been the closest bar. Yeah. So almost I I I think it I would round it. I, I have no guarantee that Babe Ruth drank at the bar that eventually became 12 Mile Limit. Right. Um, but you don't have anything that says like, he didn't. I, <laughs> I don't have anything that, like, I think, if, looking at all of the facts objectively, yeah. I think odds are that he did. Extremely like, high. It, yeah. I would be, yeah, like, the, a bar that close, his proclivity for drinking, yeah. it's our apparent reputation as a place where ball players used to hang out. I'm pretty sure. Babe Ruth drank at my bar. That's kind of amazing. Honestly, I mean, I, I feel like you can't, like, you know, put a sign in the bar and advertise that. But, you know, as a I'm going to tell this story, I think I, as far as I'm concerned, it's true. That's <laughs> I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to accept it as 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 canon right now. There's a you know, the Lebanon Roulette, the bar on Magazine Street. Up yeah. Down? Yeah. They have a little plaque that about that says because lee harvey oswald used to live in new orleans right and right. lived in, was living in new orleans before he went to dallas and and allegedly shot jfk yeah um and they have a little plaque that's on, on at the end of the bar that says like lee harvey oswald drank here at this spot in the bar <laughs> like a week before jfk was assassinated and i always thought it would be really fun to get a plaque that for 12 mile that said something similar but was completely impossible <laughs> Like George Clinton and Abraham Lincoln got into a fist fight here in <laughs> yeah. 1830 or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I still might at some yeah. point. You might as well. <laughs> yeah, so like that, that wantonly fabricated history. I think yeah. that would be very Moe's too. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see. I don't, do you guys get uh, crank phone calls like Bart does to Moe? <laughs> 
We get scam phone calls. Okay. We get there's a there's some there's some regular scams that we get. There's one where somebody will call and say that Entergy is on their way and they're going to shut off our power if we don't pay money over the phone right now. Oh yeah, that one's you know yeah because that's what that they one's do. fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a good one where people will call and they use this sort of like there's a, a call system for the deaf. Oh where right. you yeah it, yeah the, like the you relay, type it and then it yeah. speaks. Yeah, and then people try to like order a bunch of stuff via for takeout and then never show up and then i, I don't know it's it's, just, it's one of those things that's so clearly a scam yeah. that like there are times when i've tried to hold people on the phone so i can try to get enough information to track them <laughs> like you, rec you recognize these things instantly yeah um but that and and also we get i mean i mean we're, we're a publicly listed phone number for a business sure, we get yeah. a lot of calls most of the calls that we get on the landline at the bar are either people asking late at night if the kitchen is open mm -hmm. and people trying to sell us cheap loans or new credit card processing services and things like that. So We've not been, too much honestly, different I, from I, my scam calls, except nobody's asking me if my kitchen's open at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, yeah. yeah. Landlines Telephone. are Who uses spider webs, you know, uh, nets for, for scam calls. These days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, the, oh, the, the, uh, the crank call that uh, Bart does in this episode is one of my <laughs> favorites. This huge ass, huge which ass. is just yeah, that's just ass. funny. Huge ass is really funny, but the fact that it it backfires because there's actually a guy named Huge Ass in the bar right, and the bar's become so popular, that just yeah, randomly. <laughs> right. And then I love and that then Bart. He's so nice. He's so nice, and Bart just like uh he just like he's like look i got a level with you this was a prank phone call uh that backfired and the guy's like oh i completely understand well you have a good day <laughs> and then hangs up the phone he's like what a yeah. nice young man like just it's yeah. so funny you gotta imagine that somebody named huge ass is pretty used to it right yeah exactly but you i can know, see that's a good him, point I mean, yeah i think in, in real life he might have been kind of bitter it's like ah, yeah. again right <laughs> but he's just he's this just accepted that's his that's his plot yeah. in life like, <laughs> and the idea like this the, this anonymous child prank calling a bar is something like what a friendly fellow <laughs> yeah. oh man like i would hang I, huge ass just like i want to see more of that guy like, i know that's character i wish came back i also like, Where, where's huge ass now his uh the the drunk the actual like character the the um the way the character looked and when it was designed, I couldn't think of who he reminded me of. And like the whole time I was like, he reminds me and I, it's still, it's still slipping my brain here, but I can like, he like reminds me of a real person. And for a minute I was like, is this like a famous celebrity that they had like voice him and they modeled the character after him, but it, it's not, it's just one of their regular voice actors. So I don't know. I don't know. For some reason I was hoping maybe like, you'd be like, you know what? It kind of reminds me. Of Wait, I'm thinking, um, Mad Men, uh, the gray hair. Oh, guy. John Slattery. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a no, little he, bit. He's, he's he's got, I guess, blue hair, which yeah, is right. rather <laughs> common in the Simpsons world. Yeah. But he's got blue hair and it's like he's got a button-down yeah. suit on. Yeah, so, so he does look like right a businessman. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. I don't know. Um, let's see what other, there was prank call, calls and that. Um, let's see, uh, oh, the uh, yeah, the waitress. Um, who was very obviously 
a uh, Shelley Long uh, reference from yeah, Cheers. The Diane is, yeah, Diane from, from Cheers. Which is I think the people great. people sleep a little bit on the because Sam Simon, who's one of the co-creators of The Simpsons, in its TV show form, not the yeah. original material. That was obviously Matt Groening, um, but Sam Simon, one of the three was a producer and writer on Cheers before he jumped ship to go work on The Simpsons. Ah, so there's a lot yeah. of like creative energy there. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked it up because I was, I, obviously there's the Cheers stuff in this one right. with, with the Diane character yeah. and Woody's in it. Right. Um, and they had the whole song. The, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. I had the Simpsons CD when I was a kid, Selling uh-huh. Cynthia Springfield. Yep, and yep. one of my favorite ones was the the let's all go to flaming mode yeah liquor in a mug and warm you like a hug when the weight of the world has got you down and you want to end your life bills to pay a dead-end job and problems with the wife but don't throw in the towel because there's a place right down the block where you can drink your misery away Just a flaming mow away. Happiness is just a flaming mow away. Bobby! How's the world treating you, Mr. Gumble? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, and, 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 and I went back and looked up Cheers and Simpsons when I was trying to, I was trying to figure out Sam Simon's name. And yeah. so I went to prepare for this. And I, so I went and looked up Simpsons Connections. And the, there's another episode where Homer gets kicked out of Moe's, which happens like once every other sure. season, at least. <laughs> like when he finds a new bar. Uh, it's the one where, with Marge's fear of flying. Because before he winds oh. up in the airline, uh, like the, the, the Sky Captain bar, and yeah, winds yeah, up accidentally yeah. being pulled in to, to fly a plane and crashing it, um, he, winds, he goes to Cheers. And you see the entire Cheers bar, and they got the whole right. cast. Yeah, they got Woody. They got oh, that's right. They got Sam. And, uh, and but except for Kelsey Grammer, if I remember correctly, yeah, you, yeah. you see you see Kelsey Grammer's character yeah. is is drawn into the episode, but you never right. hear his voice. Which I, which is which is funny, obviously, yeah, Kelsey because Kelsey Grammer's been and which I guess maybe that was on every... purpose because they didn't want the voices. But I'm like, I don't know. So many of the voices sound similar on that show. I don't think that was a concern. Mm-hmm. Like. Maybe it was kind of a, isn't it funny, you know, the one that we always have on the show we don't have, you know, kind of expecting them to make a joke about, you know, combining those characters or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they were pretty, they're, they, they, they never shied away from being meta. At oh, least, absolutely. As, <laughs> yeah. At least starting around season three. I think yeah. seasons one and two were a little more conventional. The, I remember the liner notes for... Uh, I was I, don't know, I was pretty surprised at how early in the Simpsons run Flaming Moses is because it's such an iconic and I thought so, like yeah like when I went to go episode. rewatch it yesterday it like, I was like season wow season three, three. I was like thinking weird. five or six like I, the liner notes for the for the DVD for season three Matt Groening writes them himself and there's a quote that I've always remembered which is season three is so good it makes season two look like season one. <laughs> That is that's very good. Yeah, three, I mean, I think, three like, and four three are nine, like or so. Yeah, yeah. I that think was three, yeah, four was right. are like was, two of the best seasons, hands down. Like, and they they really settled into a, a a format that I think was really clear in this episode too, where the first like 
five, ten minutes of the episode are completely yes. unrelated to yeah, anything that By the time later. the episode's over, you forget that's how we got to this point. This this snowball yeah, at the like, top of the hill. Mm-hmm. Because and it, it sort of happens twice. Because well, they have the whole Ion Springfield thing. Right. Like right. The, the I love infotainment. Yeah. <laughs> and then that sort of Which that song was on the songs in Key of Springfield uh, yeah, as well. I lo- the... <laughs> <laughs> um and so the the that the and then the the slumber party stuff yes, with yes. All of Lisa's oh god friends, yeah the which is kind of stuff. funny in hindsight because it was like lisa never had friends unless the story required her to <laughs> yes, and then she yes. had as many friends as yes, needed and absolutely. you never saw them again like the, the girl that kissed bart like she never showed up no, again no I don't maybe think. in the background at school or something like that but mm-hmm, just in one of those stock characters that, they drew in also the slumber party uh portion uh that created a uh or had them use one of my favorite like running gags in the Simpsons is the uh when they're moving the camera from like downstairs to upstairs and they have like the cross oh, yeah. in the house you can see the stuff in the floorboards between the floors like those are that's some of my favorite little bit I don't remember what was between the floors uh in this, in this one. one it was asbestos it was okay. just a bunch there of asbestos go. powder in bags labeled as <laughs> still <asbestos>. in the <laughs> bags <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's one of my favorite gags is just like that that cross-section view and seeing between the floors is just like because I think like it's like you know they've had like you know skeletal remains in there before and things mm-hmm. like that. Treasure, just, yes, treasure. Just it's such a good little like you know half a second visual gag that's just like yeah this is all right here we go you know instead of just panning up or even jump cutting to you know Lisa's bedroom and you're like we'll just put a bag of asbestos between the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else we got. Oh. Speaking of the cheers thing, that was uh, so there's a really there's a line in there that I thought was very funny. Um, after the waitress Colette, uh, who's supposed to be basically Shelley Long, um, after she quits, uh, Homer's like, "Oh, where's your waitress?" And Moses, uh, "Oh, she left uh, to go pursue her movie career." Uh, but frankly, I think she was better off here, uh, which is a direct reference to Shelley Long leaving Cheers to go start working on movies, which <laughs> I thought was very funny. <laughs> She had just done Money Pit the year that she – I looked it up. She had just done Money Pit in 1986, which was the year that uh, she left Cheers. And I guess Money Pit did pretty well, so she's like, I'm going to go do movies. And then the next one she did was uh, Hello Again in 1987, which I've never seen. So I would imagine probably (laughs) didn't do well. I don't know. (laughs) I'd forgotten she was the female lead in Money Pit. Yeah, and I did too. I I think there's a certain amount of – I guess Tom Hanks wasn't like Tom Hanks yet right, at right. the time, but it's like if you're in a movie with Tom Hanks and you're like, that movie was successful. I clearly have a future in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you might be misattributing the <laughs> success of that movie. A yeah. Bit. It's like, I'm going to jump ship from the most popular sitcom on TV right now. Right. Go... <laughs> Which has jump started yeah. so many careers. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. God. Well, really, well, who. who I guess Woody Harrelson, yeah. Ted Danson, and Kelsey Grammer yeah. have all gone on to, yeah. to considerable success elsewhere. But it's not like anyone else did. Yeah, John Ratzenberger, a few things here and there. He was in Toy Story, mm. uh, but um, yeah, yeah. George went in a, lot a few of them, things, but nothing had, really long term. Yeah, like that's, that's still oh, and Christy Alley. Christy yeah, Alley's that's had true. A pretty yeah. solid career yeah. over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably. Oh, I love Cheers. I didn't actually watch like I didn't understand any of the Cheers jokes when I was watching this show, watching this episode when I was <laughs> yeah. eight years old. 
Um, but I love Cheers now. I didn't even watch it until I was already a bar owner. Oh, and then nice. I watched all of it. And it's amazing. It's it really might good. be like all due respect to The Simpsons, Cheers might be the best sitcom that's ever. It's been. so good. I mean, it's it's really interesting like watching it uh like right now. I watched I started rewatching it again, uh like maybe like three, four years ago. And uh it's still hilarious. Like it's an actually genuinely funny show with also a lot of great heart in a lot of episodes um mm-hmm. it, but it's kind of interesting looking at it with a 2020 lens sometimes with like the way sam is with women and stuff like that and just like the things that like you know in the 80s and 90s just like was like oh yeah boys will be boys you know but like now you're kind of like ooh, but like he always ends up like getting his comeuppance by the end of the episode so it's like yeah fine, you know he he they recognize like he does gross stuff but yeah. he is he's At not portrayed as a good person for that yeah, yeah. That, he, the, the, that that balance that diane's like preternatural do-goodery yeah versus sam's sort of indifference like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything Just outside of his own yeah so yeah um was it was it, they they were able to present him both as somebody who you wanted to be and somebody who was sort of a deeply sad and lonely person right right i think that's one of the things about cheers that i think carries over to the simpsons you can feel that in that sort of creative dna is that it was it's only a comedy because it's funny mm-hmm. but otherwise it's a really sad yes, show about absolutely. sad desperate alcoholics right this is your family essentially or these other sad loners in this bar that you ignore your actually actual family to be with right yeah like one of the things i I, I, i've joked about about cheers is that almost every episode is a bottle episode because the entire episode takes place in the bar like they very rarely (laughs) have a scene outside of the bar sometimes out front of the bar but like almost i'd say like 99 percent of the entire series takes place in the bar which like really kind of drives home that you know exactly what you're saying like this is your family this is where you essentially live like you are spending so much time in this single room right here uh you know that is sad but in a way it's nice uh especially for those that (laughs) don't have any family outside of the bar you know yeah and and we have our regulars at 12 miles and we'll see five to seven nights a week and Mm -hmm. it's and we are we're a friendly neighborhood bar we want to be sort of to everyone's living room for yeah. the for the community, and that's part of our whole uh, ethos. Yeah. So I that, that it's sad on one level, but like you said, if like if that is your surrogate family, and that can be a positive thing, right? Exactly. Maybe not healthy that it's, it's tied to <laughs> drinking poison all day. Sure, but, but... You know, <laughs> I'm not your mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're an adult. You you know. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I think that's probably one of the good things that uh, it, it's a thing that I wish i had but uh it's probably good that like i said there's nowhere really to walk to from my house because uh, if i lived <laughs> that close to a bar i would probably be spending all of my time in the bar i mean i drink every day as it is it would be terrible if like <laughs> oh i'm low on beer i'll just go you know down the block to the bar and just hang out there for several hours you know i don't know financially that <laughs> wouldn't be very sustainable either but <laughs> i also identify strongly with sam malone because I have, it's it's under control, I like to think, but mm-hmm. I have a drinking problem. Like right. I've had a problematic relationship with alcohol for, since I started drinking in middle school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So yep. being like, and like being sort of a pretty boy bartender with a drinking problem, <laughs> managing a neighborhood bar that I right. sort of wound up with. It was like, I very much like, 
I, I hear you, Sam. Except you can't throw Your a baseball. Your struggles are That's, very uh... relatable to me. I, I was never a, a famous <laughs> relief pitcher. That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anything more on this episode before we move on to the modern episode? Uh, I think there's I mean. a there's a degree to which the rhythm of and this is every every time they change Moe's into something else it's wildly successful until it isn't right but I feel like a lot of bars go through that cycle where they like they start off in their friendly neighborhood watering hole and then some they get famous for something and they yeah. become very very popular and all the people that used to go there stop going right like oh I can't get in there anymore it's too popular but then once the flash in the pan wears out you got nothing because you yeah. alienated all your regulars and then you're not the, the the hot new thing for whatever reason that you used to be and then you then the bar is dead yeah so you're like, right back where i you're... felt like that when because we were sort of we were very pop like we were like for a few months we were very like under the radar people yeah. coming from the neighborhood to hang out and then we got written up for being this weird quirky cocktail dive it was such a novel thing we were in the local paper and yeah all of a sudden we were slammed for like I three months i, I think that's like, when i, I found be... out about y'all was when that article <laughs> came out i'm I'm you and a lot of other people, um, <laughs> but and so I had to be. I was like, I tried to be very deliberate about maintaining a space that was still fun and accessible. And like, this is not going to last forever. This yeah. boom cycle. So, but that it felt very authentic. That like, because that happens. That happens to bars all the time. Yeah. A lot of them don't survive it. Yeah. So I'm glad that Moses survived it a dozen times. <laughs> and we can it, talk about another one. Let's exactly. To, uh, like you're ready to go. Let's yeah, let's, let's move on to that. Uh, so normally I randomly, I, I have a little random episode generator that I put together. And so usually the second episode is purely random. But since you chose Flaming Moe's and I was just, I just happened to come across that season 22 has an episode called Flaming Moe, uh, not possessive, just Flaming Moe. Uh, where Mo, uh, his bar gets turned into a gay bar uh, with the help of, uh, of Smithers. And I was like, you know, it would be kind of fun, uh, one, you owning two bars um, <laughs> and being a bartender, uh, but having, you know, doing Flaming Mo's and Flaming Mo comparing to uh, somewhat similar episodes, uh, but from, you know, 20 years apart. Because uh, let's see, Flaming Mo's was 91 and Flaming Mo was 2011. So 20 year uh, difference between these and similar plots. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to kind of contrast and compare and talk about, you know, um, talk about them in that kind of mindset. Um, so yeah, Flaming Mo season 22, episode 11. Um, it was an okay episode, I think. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I was, I was not mad at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was one of the like, it had some good joke density. I think. Um, basically, the quick of uh, if you haven't watched the episode, uh, the plot is basically um, Mr. Burns is putting his will together. He doesn't have Smithers in it because he tells Smithers he doesn't see him as his equal because uh, he likes a self-made man, not a, not a yes man. Um, so Smithers, he's feeling bummed out so he goes to go to a bar there's a gay bar uh they won't let him in because he's not cool enough not handsome enough or whatever uh so he looks across the street sees moe's uh decides to go in there there's no one in there uh much like the beginning of flaming moe's uh the previous episode <laughs> and uh so he eventually you know uh convinces i forget how exactly he convinces Mo to uh turn it over to a gay bar uh i think he 
think he's outside the gay bar again and uh some guys come up and they get like told they can't go in so like he's like hey why don't you come over to this place we you know we accept everyone no matter you know what they look like or blah 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 and he comes in and it just kind of snowballs from there and i think mo dollar signs he sees that he's like you know Mm-hmm. Smithers has this plan to turn my bar into something where I can make a lot of money. Sure, I'll do it, even though I'm wildly uncomfortable with this idea. Um, and Mo <laughs> pretends to be gay. Well, he doesn't really pretend to be gay. He just doesn't tell them he that he's straight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then he becomes essentially Harvey Milk. Right. Yes. Yeah. They want him to run for city council uh, as the first openly gay city council member. Um, one of the things I found really interesting about the episode uh, was that they just kept saying one of them or one of us and like did not use the word gay until like the last like two minutes of the episode, which I thought was kind of interesting. Huh. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, I was because I, I was wondering because they never ever actually say that Smithers is gay, you know, in and you know, throughout the series. I think maybe they there was an episode mm. like in like season 29 or something like that. But at this point, they had never said it. It was just like the running gag, like, oh, is he or isn't he? Um, so I was wondering if they're going to say it because I was like, ah, maybe they just want to keep that joke going. Uh, but until uh, the guy tells Mo that uh, he wants him to run as the first openly gay city council member, the word gay, as far as I noticed, did not get mentioned. And I was kind of waiting for it just to see because I know The Simpsons kind of sometimes will dance around things without actually talking about them sometimes. Um, I find in the later episodes, they do a lot more in the earlier episodes. They really kind of like, I mean, they have the, you know, the John Waters episode, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that one is so good. And, you know, they, they don't dance around it there. It's very, I mean, that whole episode is very in your face about it. And, uh, which is something I appreciate, but I think in the later episodes, like, I don't know if they're like trying to pull because like viewership is down, they're trying to pull in a more conservative viewership or something i don't know uh but maybe not maybe maybe i'm just expecting them to give up their principles to <laughs> cash in or something i don't know um yeah there was a couple of, there was there's a lemon party joke in here which i thought was very obscure and ridiculous uh Lemon Party, if you're unfamiliar, it was a, a internet meme in the like late 90s, early 2000s. And if you go to Lemon, it's probably still there. If you go to LemonParty.org, it is a photo of uh, like four or five very old men uh, having sex with each other. And that was like a big joke. You would tell people, go to LemonParty.org. And it's like a, just a picture of dudes having sex. Uh, you know, big shocking <laughs> thing. Uh, they are old. So, you know, that's, you know... <laughs> Gross. I guess yeah, that totally. was the twist, you know. Yeah, it's like ah, a lot of wrinkles, you know. Uh, so it was kind of funny. But I guess that, I mean, they... that is sort of that aligns with the ethos of the episode. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's not just pretty gay people. Yes. It's gay people forever. I didn't realize that Lisa's uh, music teacher was gay. I didn't either, and I didn't know if I was wondering if this was the first episode where they, uh, you know, mentioned that, or if it's a thing that they've mentioned in the past, and they were just, you know, and that's why they used them, or if this was his his coming out uh, to the audience. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. I can't think of any other time where he was even really presented as much of a character. And yeah. so I think there was an episode last season where, where Lisa, it was like a, a parody that uh, the movie Whiplash, where Lisa starts taking music lessons and gets really, uh, and J.K. Simmons is the teacher. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It was, that, that one had a lot of 
of Lisa's music teacher's yeah. like lost dreams and and deep sadness. Um, but I think this, I can't remember a time before this episode where you learn anything about him as a person other yeah. than he's mean and hates yeah, children, he would like just, most of the teachers. Yeah, like, he would just like a uh, couple of like, you know, a line here or there, uh, you know, and again, kind of like how they would use most sometimes like in like the big like crowds of the townspeople, you know, he might have like one line that he shouts out or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it, and there was a few other characters like in the background, like John Waters' uh, character from Homer's Phobia. They had him drawn into the crowd at Moe's and stuff like that, like obviously didn't speak. Uh, but there was a lot of characters like that that they just had like drawn in uh, that they've used in the past. So that was kind of interesting. The little Easter eggs of like, oh, OK, they're gay. All right. Interesting. They've never mentioned that before, <laughs> like kind of like the music mm-hmm. teacher, just kind of out of the blue. Um, I remember the when the early whenever there's a pair of characters in The Simpsons, it's never explicit, or it was usually explicit, but it was implicit that one of them was sort of gay. So yeah. with Patty and Selma, one of them is gay. Mm-hmm. Millhouse and Bart, one of them is gay. Yeah. Smithers and Burns, one of them is gay. And that was just Lenny sort and of, Carl, like, maybe both. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe one, maybe both. Right. Who knows? <laughs> We don't really know what they're right. doing. Right. <laughs> um, I can't remember what episode it was, but something, they made a joke one episode, like a while, this is probably in the last five years, so one of the relatively recent episodes, where somebody jokes about Milhouse being gay, and he's like, I'm nine years old. I'm not anything yet. <laughs> That's great. There is, yeah, they do. Um, that is funny. I, I like that line a lot. Um, Oh, this, there was a, it's kind of off track, but it is from the episode, but there was a really great line in there. Um, when Smithers goes into Moe's the very first time and he asks for a scotch and water and Moe says, my scotch is scotch and water. That, that cracked yeah. me up. I got a good belly laugh out of that joke. Yeah, that was solid. I liked the bit where the, the they joke about how the, the horrible stereotype of every gay man being attracted to every man. Right, yes. <laughs> um, that, I, I don't remember the exact wording of the joke, but I thought it was handled pretty yeah, well. Yeah, there was... And uh, then the... So there's like comic book guy's uh, brother or cousin who is gay is in the oh, crowd. comic book gay, yeah. Yeah, comic book gay, yeah. Uh, there was somebody... Yeah, somebody in the crowd, like, after they make the joke, uh, is like, uh, like, hits on him or something like that. And he's like... And comic book gay doesn't even turn around. He's like... Well, whoever said that, yes. Uh, it's like just very much going into the stereotype immediately after making the joke. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like, it's it's an easy joke to make. Like, you know, oh, it's not this, but we're going to be this anyway. Like, And the Simpsons do that a lot like throughout their history of like, it's not this, but also it is this. Uh, which is a, yeah. kind of a cheap joke, but like it's effective. Like it's still funny. So it's like doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's kind of hacky you're getting laughs like that's all that matters you know? it works yeah, yeah exactly like why you know they've got a formula it works uh they're on they've been on the air for 31 years like it's you know there's no <laughs> it's not by accident i mean sometimes it seems mm-hmm. that way but uh let's see oh there the b plot of this of uh principal skinner uh, having it, a crush on oh, the, the music the new sub, art teacher yeah who was voiced was by kristen wick was that is Kristen Wiig the teacher? Yeah, Kristen Wiig was the teacher, and then the Allison daughter Hannigan. is Allison Hannigan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it was, I kind of liked that plot a little bit. Like, I almost kind of had wished the episode focused on that a little bit more, uh, just because, like, I don't know. I I like 
when they use Skinner a little bit more. Like he's not one of my favorite characters, but because he's so like pathetic, it really like opens up uh, a lot for just jokes about him you know, with his mom and like not knowing how to not even just talk to women, but just be in society outside of the school. Like the school is the only place where he has any sense of who he is or power and outside of mm-hmm. the walls of the school. I mean, he barely even has power in the school either. I mean, with uh, <laughs> between the children and uh, superintendent Chalmers, like he really doesn't, but it's the one place where he feels like he has a little bit of power. And once he's outside of those walls, like he's just this like frail child in a way. I thought the because Skinner and Krabappel's relationship mm-hmm. it started. In, I can't remember. What, I don't remember the episode. Like the yeah. I saw the uh, the baby looked at me. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, whatever that was. Like their relationship continued after that for a long time. Mm-hmm. You like uh, mostly as a background yeah. gag. Like you'd see them on a roller coaster or something right. like that. Um, but I I thought it lasted longer because I, he's single again by this episode. Right. Um, and I was a little surprised by that because I thought this was during the time that he and Krabappel were still in the sort of an on again, off again. Yeah, posture. that's true. Cause I felt like when they, cause I think there was like an episode where they had like an audience, like poll afterwards, like, should they stay together or shouldn't they? Or something like that. Uh, I, I felt like that was much later than this, but I don't know. Maybe just my. I think that was what that was after that was when Krabappel started dating Ned Flanders. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Okay. And that was that was so that was much just, later. Had the, yeah, that was much later. Yeah. yeah, that was I mean, I mean, obviously not too recent because right. Ms., the actress who played Miss Krabappel has passed away yeah. since then. Um, but it was probably I think within the last it feels I don't know every time I think of anything that happened on the Simpsons after season 10 it's like that was probably the last five years right? yeah <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> whereas god yeah this uh this episode was nine years ago damn yeah that's that's, that's wild yeah who is I'm looking at the 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 Simpsons wiki now and Scott Thompson was one of the characters Scott Thompson yeah. famously was the gay on kids in the hall right um, had like long, very overtly gay monologues. It's very funny. Yeah, it um, says the character's name is Grady, but I don't know which yeah, character which that was. was. Let's see. It must have been. Let's see, because I'm looking at just the regular Wikipedia page, and it doesn't. Uh, okay. Oh, um, reprising his role as Grady from Three Gays of the Condo. Which is oh yeah yeah that's where Homer moves in with uh, Homer has to move out he and Marge are fighting oh right and then and that's the one where you you start to wonder if Homer might be a little gay because yes. at the end he kisses Marge is like that was the best kiss I had all night or <laughs> yeah. was it um I think that you know that's kind of a that's a thing that they do kind of play around with uh in the show you know not not too hardcore but they do dance around it a little bit like. Obviously, Homer is a little, like, you know, uh, uncomfortable around gays. Uh, but there are, like, some moments like that where it's kind of, like, they do that in Bob's Burgers a lot uh, with Bob. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. I might be bisexual. Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. Which I, like, it's one of the things I love about Bob's Burgers is, like, it's very just, like, yeah, we are who we are. Who gives a shit, you know? Uh, and yeah, The Simpsons I, I is very much show. like that. It's, it's a, so good. Bob's yeah. Burgers, like, I, this podcast is probably, like, 
80% Simpsons and 20% Bob's Burgers because it comes up almost every single time I record it just because it's, it's impossible. So- I mean, that sort of economically dire three child family. Exactly. You know, there's, there's so much there. But yeah. yeah, I'm, I am amazed because I watch Bob's Burgers now and it's 10 seasons in and mm-hmm. I like, I am shocked at how con- it's still like laugh out loud funny. Yes, consistently. Absolutely. Not even like, a few good episodes a season it's like every episode has it's, at least like five solid laughs yeah it's just the joke density in it is just so good like yeah i've been re-watching it uh from the beginning i think for i guess this is the second time i've done that and it's just i haven't watched much of the newer seasons uh so i'm excited to get into those because i'm like i know like it's like the simpsons where you can watch an episode on its own and like it doesn't you know you don't have to have watched yeah there's 30 years before occasionally they'll reference something that's happened but it's not like an ongoing story and the characters are so like in the you know public zeitgeist that like you know who they are you get like what they're about you know you know bart's the you know the badass kid and homer's the dumb dumb like yeah, you know, you can put that together having never watched The Simpsons just because they exist in pop culture so much. And I think Bob's Burgers is mm-hmm. kind of similar in that way where you could just drop in to an episode. Yeah, the character dynamic. It's, and it's it's generally pretty clear in the context of any given episode. Like, you know who everyone is immediately. Right. Right. The family dynamics are very clear, uh, very clearly drawn. And I think um, I think that's one of yeah, the success it, it, formulas too is that they haven't really messed around with that too much in The Simpsons. Like, there's like sometimes like you know, um, you know, there's been like episodes where like Marge has gotten a job, you know, like when she was a cop and things like that. But like, uh, generally they all remain exactly the same in that family. Their dynamic is all the same, and like, you know. While Bart and Lisa will have moments of like getting along, they largely don't, which is, you know, I grew up having a, a sister and that is pretty accurate. You know, you you guys love each other. You get along. But most of the time, especially when you're a few years apart, you, you hate each other most of the time. And you're, you know, especially around that age, like you're just, you know, arguing back and forth. And uh, my sister's older. So, you know, there was I had a, a lot of the, um, you know. Ah, I don't want to hang out with you because I'm now I'm in high school and you're just a dumb little kid, you know, um, mm-hmm. that is a, you know, so they do a good job of the, the sibling dynamic there. Um, and, uh, I don't know. There's just, they keep the, they keep the family pretty consistent through 30 years of doing a show, which I don't know. I think that's one of the things I really like about the show. Yeah. Except, except for the first couple of seasons where they were, they were, cause there's to... episode, like the episode where they go to the, the spring, the power plant, like picnic. Yeah. And Homer's the one that's really embarrassed because Marge just drinks mm-hmm. too much. It's mm-hmm. like, they yeah. really, they kind of flip that. That, right. that would have been the opposite at any other point in the series. But and again, that's and like, like Lisa was a little bit more kind of finding themselves in a way. Yeah. Cause Lisa in the beginning was a little bit more, on board with a lot of the like dumb schemes that like Homer or Bart wanted to do. And like, you know, she would find, you know, the, the I mean, she's always been a fan of itchy and scratchy and crusty, but uh, I don't know. There's just like, I feel like she would laugh at things that were like considered, you know, stupid uh, more in the early seasons. Whereas now like she kind of, you know, stubs she's immoral yeah just kind of like yeah like you know turns her nose up at at the stuff now um which i mean i guess you have to have a character that kind of uh i guess is the moral center uh but i mean she's kind of like the diane 
Yes. Well, yes. Marge is the one who's like family first, but she's also like very conservative. That's true. And like yeah. rebelled against a lot of Lisa's sort of more progressive right. ideology. Like, and so they, just yeah, being a vegetarian. The Diane character. Yeah, yeah, she's like, she wants to do good. She's like, wants to save the environment. Yeah, the vegetarianism yeah. Is, is a big one. Did you watch the most recent episode of The Simpsons, the one that came out last Sunday? Uh, the, yes, uh, I think it is. Is there's it a, a two-parter? A new preacher in town? Yeah, yes. the first yeah, yeah with Pete Holmes is the preacher. preacher. Yeah, I just Pete watched Holmes it last night. Yeah, it's yeah. the youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, his, his uh, ease with Buddhism and vegetarianism, I yes. thought was pretty fun, that he yeah. could connect with Lisa on that level. Right. Yeah, yeah I think that, that the vegetarianism, that's one of the few things where it's like somebody, like they made a specific change to a character, mm -hmm. but it was, it made sense for her character that yes. she would become a vegetarian and they never went back. She didn't right. start eating burgers the next exactly, episode. They exactly. still, like, they only reference it when it comes up organically now, yeah. but she is still very much a vegetarian and a Buddhist, which right. is another like thing that happened sort of and down, I, the, down the line. I, I, I've think it's true uh i don't know if it's just one of those like simpson lore kind of things but um supposedly so the episode uh, so to get paul mccartney uh paul and linda mccartney to do the episode of the simpsons that they did uh you know way back in the early days they only uh agreed to it if lisa because she becomes a vegetarian in the episode um paul mccartney said he would only do the episode if they keep lisa as a vegetarian in perpetuity so hmm. like so that's part of the reason why supposedly that's the reason why they kept her a vegetarian forever is to honor uh paul mccartney's wishes because that was like that was his caveat for doing the show he's like i'll do it if she's going to become a vegetarian though she needs to stay a vegetarian forever because he just like believes in that so much which is very <laughs> interesting and also just goes to tell show you like how much influence someone like Paul McCartney has that like he changed <laughs> yeah. the entire course of the Simpsons just because he was like, well, if you want me to do it, you have to completely change this character forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just to have that power is very, because I mean, at that point, the show yeah. was like, it's insanely popular. Like they didn't need Paul McCartney. Like they could have, they would have been fine without ever getting the Beatles on the show. But yeah, but he was, he was, I think their third Beatle. Yeah, that's true. They gotten George and mm -hmm. George was in the barbershop quartet. Right, episode. right. It's Ringo was in the one where Marge is an artist. Yeah. Um, and so this was the only surviving Beatle that they hadn't hadn't gotten yeah. at that stage. So it was like you gotta complete the set. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And to get Linda as well on there too. Um Yeah, that's a coup. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. Like I was a little there were some parts in this where uh I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, man, I just, cause I was like, you know, it's 2011, you know, it's things are start like, it's like culturally, you know, things are getting better and more tolerant and understanding. Uh, but like the Simpsons is always, you know, tries to push that envelope a little bit. Uh, and I was like, man, I don't know if they're going to handle this uh, very well, but <laughs> I, I mean, you know, coming as a cis straight white guy, uh, I, my opinion, it seemed like it wasn't, there was a couple of times where I was kind of like, Eesh, but, uh, I don't know. I feel like it probably was handled okay ish, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Also, also so straight white guys. So yeah. I'm not exactly an authority yeah, I, on whether or not somebody should be offended by this content, but it did seem relatively fine. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, but they've been doing like the episode with Homer's phobia, the first like blatant gay episode right. that they did was probably what season seven so Something that's like that, yeah and and that was that still feels pretty both 
both hilarious. It's one of the best episodes yeah. The Simpsons ever did. Um, but also pretty well balanced, mm-hmm. both in the like the way that the gay characters like John's like a normal dude. He's right. a guy I would hang out with. He's yes, not just exactly. some weird flaming gay stereotype. Yeah. Um and but and the 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 butts of the jokes are more about Homer the, the homophobic characters yeah, exactly. like Homer yeah. and and the and Mo in that episode right. too yeah where the 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 whole world has a swish and a fi- swishify and effect on kids <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like they're they're the dumb ones in mm-hmm. that episode and yeah I, I think when it's so they're not they're not punching down like nobody's making fun of the gays in that right one. they're just making fun of people who are afraid of gays right this like one, look dude, how stupid more... it is that you think that because everyone yeah. else is fine like they're just normal people and you're you're the weirdo because you're like mm-hmm. you know like yeah that they're very good at, at at doing that i think i think this this one they were a little bit more they were less afraid of making fun of of gay stereotypes right. and sort of, of gay culture generally yeah which i and but so it's a little bit of a riskier riskier gambit but i think yeah. it works I think I, so, I, like yeah. you said I, i'm I, i'm not because it really, it's not for me to say. This is a kinda, episode, right. But. I do think, like, uh, I mean, ultimately, I mean, not like Simpsons episodes really have, like, morals uh, <laughs> or, you know, or, like, a moral of the story kind of thing. Um, but it does kind of, like, <laughs> excuse me, they kind of do that reverse coming out of the closet uh, thing with Mo, uh, you know, where he has to, you know, own up to being straight. Um, and... It's really, it is like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but uh, the whole idea that Smithers wanted to put this bar together as a place for, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, people who are already, you know, put aside by society largely, uh, and then this bar that's supposed to be for, you know, his, his group uh is all, being even more exclusive by you know uh, you know holding you up to clothing and appearance standards and things like that and coolness or whatever um and just uh, you know he's very much like we should just be able to be ourselves no matter what that is um which mm-hmm. is kind of what they're trying to make mo ultimately like hey you can be friends with all these people uh you know if you like being friends with them like that's fine you don't have to pretend to be something you're not or or hide who you really are mm-hmm. yeah that there's a there's a real that, that inclusivity is, yes. is there you know that they the and the yeah and i also like the the way the episode ends i think is really nice that that even after like for those who haven't seen it smithers confronts mo as he's running for city council right, and yeah. he's making a speech and tries like oh you're gay prove it by kissing me and mo <laughs> won't do it until the crowd leaves yes and then he kisses smithers <laughs> and the line that he uses it's like frisbee golf i'm glad i tried it once like that's <laughs> yeah. a very like a it's a good line yes great line <laughs> uh and b it's like it's it's not it's the opposite of homophobic right like, he knew he was straight but it's like eh, maybe yeah I'm maybe let's try it out make out with a guy he's like no nah, not for me yeah well, i tried though you yeah. know that, that's like, now i know <laughs> progressive attitude and ve- it shows a like a, a real evolution of his character since right homer's phobia episode where he was the the most homophobic of, <laughs> yeah. of the characters that yeah. convince homer to try to straighten up bart there's um i like that they <laughs> renamed the bar two mo's just by but removing the e uh so it's just yeah. like short for home I, that's it's such a silly 
and like i like that they do the fake montage too of uh redoing it they just show exterior shots and and uh mo is just like singing a montage song about there being a renovation montage uh i like when they turn those tropes on their head like that i was kind of surprised because they mentioned in in flaming mo of that the bar had transformed so many times they yeah. mentioned they mentioned the family feedback they yeah. mentioned the british pub but they don't mention when it became flaming mode right which i was which like wait how do you not <laughs> how yeah. is that not the first one that yeah because like it, it did happened. actually they renamed the bar to flaming mo's uh so mm-hmm. it's not like it was just like oh the bar got popular um they renamed it and essentially rebranded it i mean there was a whole different vibe in there uh yeah i was kind of surprised it wasn't mentioned there especially because this show this episode essentially shares a name with that episode so um yeah which maybe that was enough like they're already referencing flaming mo's in the name they don't have to draw attention to that one because they already have they have to draw attention to all the other times just because i mean why not yeah yeah it's uh yeah I, think, I like the redesign I would I, I like the the Mo's as with no e yeah like it it looks nice I would hang out in that bar. yeah I know like, like, like all the other nice times like seating. when it was a British pub I was like this is dumb or when we got <laughs> yeah. fancy I was like this is dumb but yeah when it became Mo's I was like that's very pleasant yeah, that was like a it's, nice warm a, homey environment yeah and it's not like a theme like the British pub or anything like that like it's just no this is just it's just a nice clean bar where you can just come and hang out and no one gives a <laughs> shit who you are like. Yeah, um, I'm into that. <laughs> you know, that actually just remind. I can't remember what episode it is. It might have been the one you were talking about, where Homer's trying to find the new bar, and he goes to the lesbian bar, and uh, the great line. He's in there, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, and he doesn't know. He's like, wait a minute, there's there's something wrong with this bar, and it's just all women. And you're like, oh no, he's gonna say something homophobic or something like that. And he's just like, this lesbian bar doesn't have enough fire exits. Like, it's just so funny that little <laughs> yeah. misdirect of like. Is he gonna? Mm-hmm. Oh no, he he doesn't care. He's just worried about their safety. Like it's so. Oh, I, one of the things I loved about Flaming Moe's is that when Homer goes out to try to find his new watering hole, and he goes to the bar <laughs> yeah. called the Aristocrat, yeah. which I assume is a reference to the famous joke. It has to be. I, yeah, I would assume so. But then I love the. Um, is like, can I get my beer in a clean glass? It is <laughs> yeah. such an, an onerous request. Yeah. And the guy like, just oh, like spits beer, on it and wipes it majesty. down. He's like, yeah, here you go, your majesty. That, oh man. <laughs> that, that whole little, like, I mean, that scene is barely 30 seconds long. Uh, but it had such a classic Simpsons vibe to it. Just like that, you know, uh, that gruff bartender guy who just doesn't give a shit, uh, you know, Homer feeling kind of bummed and sad and like having to find a new place to go. Um, I don't know. It just had like classic Simpsons vibes about it. And I don't know. Maybe that's part of why this episode, even though it was like referencing season three, like maybe that's why it was good. Cause they, again, they stuck to a formula like, Hey, what if we, change Moe's bar again and uh, see where that goes. It might actually be entertaining. And it was actually a pretty good one. And giving Smithers a bigger role was fun too. Yeah. I like Smithers episodes generally. The he's, he's like the Malibu Stacy episode is one of my favorites. So good. 
um, yeah. the, the Homer takes over Smithers' job. I still use from that episode, the Homer the Smithers. Mm-hmm. I still use the the phrase "telephone machine" from when <laughs> Burns finally learns how to operate his phone. He's like, "Oh, you must have dialed the wrong number. Perhaps you need more practice operating your telephone machine." <laughs> I still use the word "telephone" or the phrase "telephone machine" <laughs> because of that. I always, I'm, I'm wondering. This is a thing I, I always wonder out loud doing the podcast is like if there's a younger generation that is growing up with these newer episodes of the Simpsons, which I don't know if that's necessarily even a thing, but if it is, I wonder if there are like lines from these newer episodes that like telephone machine for you, you know, things like that, that are going to stick out in their minds. Like, you know, is, I don't know when they hear scotch and water down the road, are they going to immediately think of, well, my scotch is scotch and water. Like, is that joke going to be, (laughs) is it going to be that touchstone for them? Like the early seasons were for us or, or are younger generations even watching the Simpsons? I think, I mean, I assume they, somebody still, I mean, it's not just middle-aged weirdos (laughs) like us that have been watching it (laughs) most of our lives. Um, I think there's, there's gotta be young people watching it yeah, or maybe not. Maybe there's just enough legacy viewers who've been sticking with it for so many years yeah. that it's still worth doing. I mean, I don't know. Cause I mean, but I, also, I think there's a, there's a level of saturation that it had. I mean, and, and to a certain extent, like I would watch it. I don't know how my memory was so good for this kind of thing when I was a kid, <laughs> but I could watch an episode of the Simpsons and then go to school the next day and recite all of my favorite right. lines from yeah. it. Right. And like having seen it once, but then it got into syndication when it was only four or five seasons in. And it was every night, two episodes of The Simpsons, yep. right? At, you know, like yeah. right after Saved by the Bell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I would, would watch. I, there's so many of these episodes that I've watched. I don't know how many times yeah. because there were so there were very few episodes. It was just five always times on. Episodes now. It was yeah, it was just always on. So yeah. some of the like nobody's if, even if you watch The Simpsons now, he's like, oh, I'll watch a few episodes. Like there's 30 seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah. And you just, or you decide to watch it through a few times. That, gonna, well, that's you, that's what you, happened to me yesterday. Like it's been years to do it all. I did that yesterday, like to watch the two episodes to do this podcast, and uh, and then Disney Plus just kept playing episodes afterwards and i was like three or four more episodes in before i was like i should go to bed i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) it's like 2 a.m i don't know why i'm still awake (laughs) oh man so yeah if you had to grade this episode like on like a a letter grade scale like a through f uh pluses and minuses are acceptable flaming moe's or flaming mo flaming mo the second one I think I don't know. I feel like you got to grade new episodes of The Simpsons on a curve. Yeah, you know, that's like, fair. I'm not trying to put season 21 episode <laughs> up against the season three episode yeah, as, sure. a, as a one to one. But I think by the standards of of post season 10, which I think is sort of the tipping point for me personally, yeah. people have their different different metrics. I think like seasons maybe three through eight are objectively perfect, and yeah, seasons one great. through ten are all pretty good. Um, I think season. For, for an episode that was a decade after its heyday, it's pretty good. I'd say B, B plus. Yeah. It's, it, there, I, I don't know that it's one I would ever have considered rewatching if you hadn't recommended yes, it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'd forgotten about it completely yeah. until then. Yeah, I um, think I've watched solid. it before. It was, it was like, I can't remember if I have. Some sure of I've it seems similar. I, I remember, I think, because I, re- I started watching The Simpsons regularly again about 10, like 12 years ago. Once, yeah. once Hulu was started to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. It was... It was so like around 2008, 2009, I just started watching new episodes again because I could because there yeah. was a platform that had new episodes of television, right. and even antenna or cable or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. And so pretty much every episode since then, 
I've watched. The yeah. only one I didn't was the one where they were like they they refused to apologize for a boo a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, after the yeah they intentionally the, were like y'all are stupid for thinking this. Basically, I was like yeah I didn't watch yeah. that episode. I've only seen that clip, and I was just like all right, come on. Like I can yeah, understand so if I, you're I, like I, just, I, I don't agree, but like you gotta at least like respect where people are coming from on that. Like to just blow it off entirely totally. is like come on, at least hear them out, you know? Yeah, and and props to um. Hank Azaria, who yeah. said since then that he's just not going to do a poo anymore. Yeah, like that's they're they're, they're not going to be any new Apu episodes. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of like interviews or read uh, synopses of them, and like yeah, he was very he was kind of like you know I never really thought about it being a problem, and now that it's pointed out, yeah, I get it. Okay, uh, I just yeah I won't do it, and you know maybe maybe down the road we would get a you know uh, an actual Indian American to uh to do the voice or maybe not maybe we just won't have him he'll just be another one of those characters that's you know just there inside i remember seeing something that i I can't remember where it was but it was when all this was was boiling over Mm -hmm. that like there's there there are currently a lot of indian characters on the show because they he uh abu and manjula had eight kids right and this the universe is so plastic that you could you could have you could you could age those kids up to teenagers and get like eight Indian actors yeah. to play them, and then they could be the Indian characters on the show, and you could you could do things with them still and absolutely the, the a legacy there yeah. in a way that you like you don't need it to be Hank Azaria for there to be an right. Indian character. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting now because of like the Apu stuff being brought up. Now, like when I go back and watch them, or even newer episodes and watch them. Uh, and they have uh, a non-white or non-yellow <laughs> character on the show, um, and I'm like, oh, that's that's Hank Azaria, that is Harry Shearer, and I'm like, oh man, that is interesting. I never realized like how many you know ethnicities and 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 races that like he was doing the voices for. And I never really, like, considered, like, how, like, yeah, maybe, you know, like, I get it, like, especially in the early days of the show when, you know, they didn't have a budget, really, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they were expecting to be off the air at any moment. Uh, <laughs> so they didn't have any money. So, like, I get it. When you have, like, you know, six voice actors, you're going to use them for all of the characters because that's just who you have. Uh, so I get mm-hmm. it. But, like, you know. It is kind of interesting. And then that's just, you know, how things kept going. You got a guy who can do a million voices, let him do a million characters. Um, so, like, I completely get it why, like, that's how it started that way. Um, and one could argue, like, well, why didn't they diversify the people in the, from the start? And, you know, that's a whole separate conversation. But um, I, I get why it happened that way. But at least, like you said, like, now he's, you know, acknowledging, like, yeah, I just, I, I get it. And I'm not going to do it, you know. Yeah. The landscape of American comedy has changed a lot Absolutely. in the last 30 years. And, I, that's, and a, that's fine. That's, that's good. Thing, but it, I agree. Like, and I think that's a thing. That, this, um, Especially in like stand-up, like that's the big thing. It's like, oh, you can't joke about anything anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yeah, you can. You just got to find a new way to do it. Like find a new thing to joke about. <laughs> find a, like are you – I find it more – exciting trying to find a new way to talk about something or talk about something else entirely like to me that having restrictions and we're not even really restrictions but like um you know having this certain box to work within kind of fuels creativity in a different way because it's like okay i have to think about this this way or or 
not even do that. Now I have to find an entirely new thing to talk about uh, because I can't, you know, uh, you know, say this word or, you know, like, uh, or like, oh, my perspective on this matter, uh, it's really not for me to speak on because I haven't really lived it and experienced it. So maybe I won't talk about it. Let me talk about something that I actually have lived and experienced. Like, I think that is a much better way to do it. And for me, as somebody who writes stuff, like, more fun and challenging to me i don't know like <laughs> than just being like hey let me you know talk about my wife and put this slur in there or whatever like that's you know that's easy <laughs> anyone can do that like yeah. and I, I i agree also that like it's not that any of these conversations are off limits right you're allowed to talk about yeah like what gay people be all like <laughs> right. um it's just that you're not allowed to just be do it from a point of insensitivity like they're everything is you can no there that's one of the beautiful things about comedy as a, as a genre is everything is fair game yes and that's still true it's just that people are less like it just doesn't it's not funny anymore yeah you know? exactly and like so much else, has been done and also like you know you got to change your approach up like i mean it's i mean it's like really it's like uh i don't know i mean even non-comedies like you know if you want to do a movie about like uh, I don't know. Oh, a character is actually a, a you know a, in the mind of another character. That's been done like forty times, you know, since like Fight Club has come out. You know, like it's been done a million mm -hmm. times. And like, so if you want to convey that idea nowadays, you got to find a different way to approach it, other than like you know, oh, that character nobody actually. Oh, if you look back, they never actually interacted with them. Like you got to find a new way to do it now because it's been done and it's just not entertaining to people. It's very different than talking about <laughs> race and sexual orientation, but the idea that you have to approach uh, something differently because the world has changed since then. Like, you know, yeah, just find a new way. It's not hard. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if or I actually I made mean, any it, sense. It is hard. It is hard, but that's the challenge. Yeah, that's the, the right. Yeah. Like, like creating stuff. If you're not challenged be to do easy. something, you'll never do anything new. Yes, exactly. And like, and through those challenges, you might stumble upon something you know really, really good because you you know forced yourself to. I don't know, dig a little bit deeper than you normally would have, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm talking in circles again, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that. Um, well, uh, you got anything more on either of these Flaming Mo episodes? Um, Not really. Yeah. I think the, like, we, we hit like, all the notes that I had. Yeah, from watching. yeah. Same too. We, yeah. We touched that already. I don't think I skipped anything here. Um, well, uh, Anything you want to? I mean, I would I would send people uh, to your bar, uh, but uh, bars. But I mean, Lord willing, they're <laughs> yeah. allowed to do so. Hopefully soon. <laughs> we are starting to do. We've um, I got a temporary. For those of you who might be listening to this in a different time, uh, we're in the midst of the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. The bars and restaurants yeah. are largely closed. Restaurants are allowed to do takeout business, mm -hmm. and I got a temporary restaurant license for twelve mile limit. Oh, nice! So we are allowed to do takeout food and drinks again. I was curious because so I saw interested... you were doing the doing the cocktails, and I was like, I wonder how he managed to do that. That's awesome. We're we are we are legally designated a restaurant for the foreseeable future. Nice. So we can like, and restaurants are allowed to do be open and do takeout business, including some kinds of drinks. Um, so if you're, if you're hungry, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do some tacos and margaritas on Cinco de Mayo this coming week. 
So, I mean, Very uh, nice. you'll, this will be after. <laughs> yeah. Nobody listening to this will be after. Uh, this right. will probably come uh, out actually, on Cinco de Mayo, actually. I think this will oh, come right. out on Cinco Tuesday. So, well, so, yeah, if you're uh, listening to it. it. <laughs> there might be time. Get yeah, yeah get down there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Just crowd on it, crowd on it. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, so twelve so mile keep, keep an eye on our social media. Uh, we're we're doing takeout food and drinks a couple of days a week. That's now. awesome. Um, and it's it is good. Yeah. Um, and the and the Domino will 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 try to get one of those licenses, and we'll we might do like weekly pop up stuff over there too. Nice. But that hasn't happened yet. But stay tuned. Follow us on all the social media. Uh, please consider spending all of your time and money there once yes. it is legal and safe to do absolutely so. and i think um and uh if you check out nola tip put together by laura sanders mm. um uh, i think all of your bartenders at both of your bars are listed on there so many of them are yeah there are there are a couple i'm 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 not on there parker's like i'm i'm, I'm all right i'm doing all right right, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah. I, and i didn't want to dilute the pool a little bit and then some of our other bartenders are like i have other sources of income let's yeah. let's leave the focus where it is but many of our bartenders at both bars are on the lit tip party yeah so, so if you want to go wanna... on there if you would have been spending thousands of dollars oh god at, yes at these bars <laughs> toss a 20 to, to one of our bartenders if you if if you yeah. love them like i do yeah my thing is you know i tell people i'm like look if you're sitting at home and you crack open a drink or you or you make a little cocktail or something like that at home give a dollar or two to you know that you would have normally tipped on that drink you know just hand it over to one of the bartenders and I'll just kind of stay in that in that routine. And over time, those one or two dollars are definitely going to add up if you drink like I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also have a merch site. You can go to either um, either of the bars' websites, twelve milelimit dot com or uh, thedominola dot com, and the you can get from there to our new shared between the two bars site to buy merchandise. You can buy a couple of different Domino or Twelve Mile Limit T shirts. You can also buy gift certificates. And you, there's a portal where you can just donate tips directly to the staff collectively oh, nice. of both bars. So any any do, donated tips that come through our merch site and a percentage of our, our merch sales will go to, to them as well. Oh, uh, but awesome. you can tip directly through that platform and it will be shared uh, proportionately across the front of house staff for both bars. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I'll link to both of those or link to – yeah, it's both bar sites – I, or both they both bar sites will there. get you there yeah. but the, the yeah there's a there's a link you can get to from both bar sites okay. to the merch site okay, so cool. link to the merch site directly or to either bar site you'll cool. be able to get people i will put that in the show descriptions uh and along with the social media uh cole thank you so much for doing the show this was a lot of fun uh we've been yeah trying to put this together for Thanks a little for bit but... to... yeah we've been <laughs> dancing around it I can't believe you gave away. Uh, Man, I completely forgot. I completely forgot. And like when Dave was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I want to do. And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And, I can, and then when I posted the episode, you're like, uh, that was the one I was going to do. I was like, oh, shit. I should have written that down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. That was a great one. I love, I love the beer bear. It's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, it's so good. Well, this one was also really uh, good. Yeah, and then we got was, to talk great. about the other one. It was a great one. excuse yeah. to revisit it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally. All right. Well, so, I will. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll see you online and hopefully in one of your bars uh, very soon. Uh, once that's uh, uh, possible. Dreams, my man. <laughs> someday, on a geological time scale, we'll see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon in the grand scheme of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll take it easy. Good talk to you. You too. Love to you in the fam. Sorry, Mr. Absolutely. Bird, but I don't go into these backdoor shenanigans. You're on a little curious. I wouldn't even hear me.